The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC. Blitzer gives him enough time, and you got to credit Nate Stanley. He goes to scramble. I thought he was in a run, but he kept his eyes downfield. Iowa tried to extend their win streak against the Gophers to four games. Looking good early. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. This is our new Reporter's Notebook podcast featuring Scott Docterman, who reflects on the Hawks' win at Minnesota and previews this week's Iowa-Indiana game. And you'll hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Indiana's Tom Allen. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which includes sports reporters Scott Docterman of The Athletic and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times, former Iowa kicker Ron Caluzzi, and our own Tyler Chumeland and Jack Bransgard. The Iowa-Minnesota game highlights are courtesy of BTN with announcers Brandon Gowden and Glenn Mason. We very much appreciate it and thank them. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ooh, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. Iowa travels to Indiana this Saturday to face the Hoosiers in what will be the second consecutive Big Ten road game for the Hawkeyes. Iowa now stands at 4-1 and 1-1 and one in conference play after its 48-31 victory at Minnesota last weekend. Indiana is 4-2, and 1-1 one and one in the conference after losing at Ohio State 49-26 last week, although that game was close until midway through the fourth quarter. The Hoosiers have defeated Florida Inter- International, Virginia, Ball State, and Rutgers, while losing to Michigan State as well as the Buckeyes. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz is in his 20th year heading up the Hawkeyes, is the dean of college football coaches, and his record of 147-98 and means he's the winningest coach in Iowa history. Indiana's Tom Allen is in his third season as the Hoosiers head man with a record of 9-10. and He joined the team as defensive coordinator in 2016 and continues to run the defense as well as being head coach. Iowa has won the last seven games in this series, is 2018-1 all-time in Bloomington, and leads the series overall 44-28-4. The Hawkeyes won the last game between the two schools at Indiana in 2015 by a score of 35-27. In game notes, despite Minnesota putting 31 points on the board last weekend, although 14 of those did come on 
drives less than 10 yards due to Iowa turnovers. The Iowa defense continues to play well and is highly ranked in several key categories, both within the Big Ten and nationally. Allowing just 2.7 yards per carry is sixth in the FBS and is one of just two programs that have allowed only two rushing touchdowns all season. It's second in the Big Ten in total defense, 272.4 yards, rushing defense, 84.4 yards, passing defense, 188 yards, and Iowa is the only school to rank in the top two in all three of those categories. The Hawkeyes are third in scoring defense, surrendering only 16.6 points per game. The Hawkeyes have 18 sacks in the first five games. That's tied for second in the conference. Defensive end Anthony Nelson took over the team and Big Ten lead with five after getting three against the Gophers. And defensive end A.J. Epinesa is second on the team with four. And that's tied for third in the conference. Hawkeyes quarterback Nate Stanley's combined stats updated now for the past three games are very exceptional, especially for a QB in the Ferentz era. 60 completions on 90 pass attempts, a 67% completion rate for 879 yards and eight touchdowns against three interceptions. Last week, especially at Minnesota, it appeared to be a, a breakout game for the wide receivers to go along with the normal impressive play of Iowa's tight ends, resulting in a more balanced and very potent passing attack. 400 20 yards of total offense against Minnesota. 314 of those yards were via the pass, along with four passing touchdowns. If this kind of production continues, it will only make the Hawkeye running game even that more potent. Overall this season, Stanley has thrown nine touchdown passes. For his career, he is up to 35, which ties him for eighth all-time in program history, and he's just too shy from tying Chuck Hartlieb for seventh all-time. Stanley has also benefited from excellent protection for the most part from his offensive line, which has given up just five sacks this year. That's few in the Big Ten. Indiana has been known for its potent offenses the past few years, but is now showing marked defensive improvement under Allen, who is a defensive-minded head coach, and he likes to pressure opposing quarterbacks. The Hoosiers lead the Big Ten and are seventh in the nation with 13 takeaways. They also have 11 sacks. Indiana has six fumble recoveries and seven interceptions. For the second week in a row, the Hawkeyes will play a very young team. Indiana is the 19th youngest team in the FBS and fourth youngest in the Big Ten, with 77 of their 116 roster players being underclassmen. In depth chart notes, Iowa will have to play another game shorthanded at the linebacker position. Starter Jack Hockaday had his knee scoped to repair a torn meniscus this past week. His backup at middle linebacker, Amani Jones, will miss the first half against Indiana as a result of his targeting foul late in the Minnesota game. And starter Nick Neiman is out for at least one more game as a result of his injury. Ferentz and defensive coordinator Phil Parker dealt with this issue in part last Saturday by playing safety Amani Hooker at outside linebacker for part of that game, with Jack Gervais joined by Geno Stone at safety. This week, sophomore Barrington Wade is listed as the starter at outside, but don't be surprised if Hooker plays more snaps at that position against the Hoosiers' spread up-tempo offense. Neither of Iowa's two starting cornerbacks 
quarterbacks, Matt Hankins and Michael Ojemudia, started at Minnesota. They were replaced by two true freshmen, Julius Brents and Riley Moss. Ference indicated that all four of those DBs should be available in Bloomington, but that probably Brents and Moss will likely start the game once again. The other two players who may be doubtful are both critical. Tight end Noah Fant and running back Ivory Kelly Martin. They were both dinged late in the game at Minnesota. However, they're still listed as starters on the depth chart for what that's worth at the moment. Tidbits and Nuggets kick off at Memorial Stadium, which seats 52,656. is slated for 11 a.m. Central Time. The game will be televised by ESPN2 with announcers Beth Mowens and Anthony Brecht. That's definitely not the A-team there. It will be broadcast on the Hawkeyes radio network with announcers Gary Dolphin, Ed Podolak, and Rob Brooks. And it will also be available on satellite radio, XM Channel 380, and Sirius Channel 108. This is homecoming for the Hoosiers, just as it was for Minnesota last week. Indiana is 44-55-6 in its homecoming games. This will be the 18th time the Hoosiers are hosting Iowa on homecoming. It's the first time since 1998. In those 17 previous games, the Hawkeyes are 9-7-1. The Hawkeyes are now up to 32-2 when rushing for 100 yards or more over the past four seasons, 0-11 when failing to do that. And Iowa is also 10-0 when scoring 20 or more points since the start of the 2017 season and just 2-6 when scoring less than 20. Oh, this is awkward. I'm going to walk uh, I'm going to walk this situation off and I will see you later. Nothing to look at. Go back to work, everyone. Don't act like you're not impressed. Noah Fan is on the right side of that line. He's looking that way and Noah Fan has it for the Iowa touchdown. The tight end show continues for the Hawkeyes. I guess if there's one guy that I would cover, I'd find out where 87 is. So you probably need a defensive back on him because he's more like a wide receiver. Yeah, he's a mismatch for any defense. This is his 17th career touchdown catch. Noah Fan putting Iowa 14. Let's hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who discusses his team's second consecutive Big Ten road game this Saturday at Indiana and facing the 2018 version of the Hoosiers at Memorial Stadium in Bloomington. Facing Indiana, another big test for us, another road trip against a tough team. We're on the road and another homecoming as well, so some parallels there. Coach Allen's teams, I think when you look at them, they play hard. Certainly they uh, give great effort, and uh, I think you know they're really a well coached outfit. Uh, they've got good coaches on both sides of the ball, special teams included. And then, uh, you know, they really reflect his personality. I think they play, play with energy. They, you know, fight hard and uh, really have a lot of enthusiasm out there. And it's ironic or coincidental, I guess. I think it was our bye week last year, flipping the channels a little bit and saw them playing Michigan at home. I think it was in October. I'd, you know, go back and look it up. But that was really my first peek at them uh, with Coach Allen there. And uh, that, that effort they gave that day was really impressive. It was a heck of a football game. Michigan uh, eked out the win there, but it was a tremendous experience 
exposure to what uh, what his his program is all about. You know, when we watch film of him this year, really see much of the same that kind of uh, effort from uh, the football team. So a little bit interesting thing there. Again, second straight road game for us, and I think one thing about playing in a conference, you know, every road trip's a little bit unique. Last week we were in the city area, you know, where we uh, sat in traffic on Friday and things didn't run 100% smoothly. You know, road construction, all that kind of stuff. This week's a little, little different uh, deal, and you know what have you. But uh, I think that's part of conference football, certainly. But for our players, it's a learning experience. You know, some of our guys have been down there. Not many. Last time we were there was 15, so we have very few guys on our team that have been to Bloomington. And all that being said, it's going to take us uh, being really focused on on that regard. Most importantly, you know, we got to be prepared. We got to be motivated and uh, ready to go. I think you know, you look at this game; it's uh, at the midway point for us, so we'll learn more about our football team certainly. And we go into the game with some depth issues again, uh, a little bit like last week. So you know, one more challenge for us there. Ferentz, who joked post game after Minnesota about it being everyone against one when the decision was made to call the swinging gate fake field goal, was asked about that decision-making process on a call like that one. I was just trying to add to the stereotype, you know, that uh, I've kind of been typecast, I think, over the last 19 years. But no, that's, that's one thing I think about having a uh, staff that, that we're very uh, communicative. And uh, I, I do try to listen uh, really intently to what, what everybody has to say on the staff. And it wasn't just LeVar. I mean, LeVar was responsible for putting that, that play in. And we've been working it for weeks. But it also, you know, other guys have to be on board, too. I think it's not that you're always going to have a consensus, but I like to listen to what the coaches are saying. And, you know, we, we want to try to give ourselves every opportunity to win. So, you know, if I hear enough people saying things that uh, makes me really pay attention and listen a little bit, then we'll you know, I'll definitely consider it. And I just, you know, we felt like that was a perfect spot for it. And we talk about those things during the week, kind of rehash it on Friday uh, when we kind of close the week out. And uh, but I think there was a consensus there. We felt good about it. And much like last year, and then you just got to, and then the other part, you have to get the right, right situation because uh, it wouldn't work in every situation. Not, not that our prognosis is always correct, but at least, you know, we had it kind of uh, limited down to a couple situations where it might be uh, a good time to call it. Still get sound execution, and, and the guys did a great job with that. That's the biggest thing. Ference discussed the importance of position versatility in his team's defense, especially at linebacker and in the secondary. You know, part of it this year especially is just the fact that we, you know, we graduated four senior linebackers, you know, so last year uh, we lose a guy, you know, Nick slid, or Ben slid in, and uh, Kevin Ward played, you know, and Kevin kind of played the way a hooker was playing Saturday. Kevin was out in space more in that ball game, but just having that position flexibility, but we graduate four seniors, so we got a void to fill there. We felt pretty good about Gino in the Odyssey season. We, we liked what we saw of him in camp, like what we saw last spring, so you're just constantly evaluating your roster and looking to see who gives you the best chance, but the good news is, you know, Nick was playing well before he got injured, so, you know, we feel like we know a little bit more about him right now. We know more about Barrington today than we did a week ago, and that's all positive, too, and uh, you know, you just kind of you keep an open mind to, to what you're doing. What we're doing defensively is not dramatically different, so it's not like we're reinventing. But the other point of your question is speed, I think, is really important. And I remember, uh, you know, I felt that way. I think Jimmy Johnson really kind of taught everybody that uh, back when he, you know, rose to uh, prominence, especially at Miami. But, you know, he, he did a good job uh, everywhere he's been. But to uh, get more speed on the field, I think it's a game. If you can't run on defense, you're going to have a hard time being successful. And Kirk was asked about recruiting emerging star tight end TJ Hawkinson. I'm just laughing. The first thing I think about was his haircut. Uh, you know, and, and I mean, with all due respect, I shouldn't talk about appearances, right? I had long hair, too, at one point in my life. I think that was well documented, right? Uh, so anyway, he'd probably laugh at mine. In fact, he probably already has. So... Uh, 
you know, the first thing that caught our attention was was his production, both on the football field but also on the basketball court. His story's not the same as, but it's a little bit like Ike Bakker. You know, when Ike came down, we asked him to come back with pads on, and uh, he couldn't block anybody, but his, his attitude was really uh, uh, showed, you know, in camp. And TJ the same way. They really didn't ask him to do much blocking uh, in his high school program for, for good reason. I mean, he was catching 8 million balls. But it was really apparent that, you know, that wasn't going to be a problem with him. It's just a matter of time and development and all that. It comes from a tremendous family, and, uh, you know, he's just a great guy. He's got a great attitude, really positive. And again, we're in a really good situation. We got two good tight ends that really can help our football team. Visit HawkeyesMike.com and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Medium and Twitter. Next, we hear from Indiana head coach Tom Allen, who provides his overall sense of this year's Iowa team. Got a great opportunity, great challenge ahead of us with the Iowa Hawkeyes coming to uh, to Bloomington this weekend. A very well-coached football team, very big and physical. Everything you expect from an Iowa football team, great defense, especially in the box. Defensive line's long, big, strong, and uh, they really are very stingy. Don't give up a lot of big plays. Very, very disciplined. Offensively, they've really expanded their passing game. Stanley's a great quarterback, big, physical, 6'4", 6'5", 240 pound guy, physical backs, big offensive line, uh, best tighter tight end core we've gone against. Very, very talented tight ends and, and receivers that are making more and more plays each week. So um, they got a big win last week on the road and did a lot of different things to get that win. And so uh, going to be a great challenge for us and uh, welcome Coach Ferris and his staff to Bloomington. I know they're always uh, uh, do a great job. Allen was asked to assess his Hoosiers midway through the season. You know, I think that uh, when you kind of go through and, and uh, you break it down in, in components and different games, Games and when you have a young team and your team is trying to figure things out, you know, you, you go through the first half of your season, there's certain games that certain sides of the ball draw confidence from, no matter what the outcome is. And, and I think we've seen both of that. We're offensively, we've had a chance to do some good things at times and, and draw confidence from that. And defensively, grow and develop and draw confidence from that. And our special teams continues to get better and better. I think that, uh, you know, I was concerned in the beginning about us stopping the run, you know, defensively. And, and that's continued to, to grow and improve and, and played against a very good running offense. And, and, and that's Ohio State's prime objective is to run the football first. I know they have all these athletes that they try to get the ball with in space. I get that. But but to hold them to 3.2 yards of carry and 48 attempts and, you know, is, is a big step for us. And then being able to, you know, establish the run game and do things we need to do and throw the ball down the field more offensively and, and seeing us do things like that. So to me, you kind of get both sides have shown spurts of that. And it's all about coming the last half of the season now is about bringing those two together and playing your best collective football, offensively, defensively, and special teams, all three phases working together to create the kind of outcome that we want. So to me, I think I think what I've seen is segments come, segments shine, segments need work, and then let's get all three of those together working in unison to create a team win. Allen discusses his defensive philosophy of trying to make opposing quarterbacks as uncomfortable as possible behind the line of scrimmage. And that's the key. And I, I don't care what quarterback it is and, and how talented he is. Pressure affects everybody, you know, and, and getting getting someone in their face and make, making them move around. And it's like I said, it's not just it's even hits. It's it's movement. It's it's don't let him get his feet set and. And, and be able to have a direct line of sight to his receivers, get people in those windows, get people in his space, move him, tackle him, hit him. Um, and so, you know,
know, you gotta, you know, it's it's the it's the two-edged sword of you. You try to you do that with blitzes, okay, and, and you can't blitz every snap. And so you try to change it up and try and get pressure with four at times, sometimes three with a spy, or however you decide to make that combination work. And and we're working so hard to try because you, you see it when we get the pressure, you get a different result. And when you got time, and a lot of quarterbacks are really good when they got time, you know, especially at this level, they're all gonna be good if they have time, in my opinion. So you know, the, the guy this week's no different. Even the guys that aren't true runners, you know, the, these guys are athletic enough to, to get first downs or escape a little bit enough to, to make you pay if you don't stay disciplined in your rush lanes. And so it's, it's, it's ways for us to continue to attack protections and to continue to, whether that's with four-man pressures or with um, our blitzes and create overloads and, and try to do those kind of things, which is what we try to do each week and, and uh, get a beat on that. And so that's just, it's a never-ending process, you know, and, and to me it's, and I, I think for me, I, you know, I, when I think about defensively, I'd like, hey, I'm going to score on defense. Yeah, get those interceptions and go score, you know, and just create that momentum that that kind of play, you know, creates for your team. And, and even, you know, talking to the, the guy when they got those interceptions, hey, right now, it's a great job getting the pick, great pressure. Okay, now, you get that interception, go be a, you know, a lot of these guys played running back in high school or receiver in high school, you know, go be go be a, an, an offensive guy once you make that pick and, and go score the football. So um, we'll work hard on that as well, you know, how, how we attack that and everything. So I just think it's a never-ending process of continuing to create pressure and we need to get more sacks and more pressures and, and that's the objective each and every week and we got we to gotta keep working hard at that. And Allen talks about Iowa's emerging offense, which put up 48 points at Minnesota. This is going to be my first time playing against Iowa as a coach, and so uh, I don't have any personal experience, but you obviously watch a lot of film and, and go through, and I just think that, you know, they utilize their tight ends extremely well. You know, they catch a lot of balls. You look at the stats, and, and uh, they lead their team in, in catches and, and uh, really um, long, athletic, tough, and uh, they put you in a lot of conflicts of run pass. So you get more play action, and they'll, they'll get in the gun, and they'll spread it out. They'll go empty, and, and they'll do all those kinds of things, and, and uh, they got a big, strong arm quarterback that can make all the throws, you know, so because of that, you know, they're still running the football. They're still establishing that like they, you know, you'd expect them to, but uh, they have the ability to spread you out. You know, they can they can do it from both play action and just, you know, true what I would consider spread formations, and they have the flexibility and versatility with their personnel to get in those looks without having to change out and to get into 10 or 11 all the time. You know, they do it a lot of their double tight ends or, you know, two tight ends and a fullback or however they choose to do so, but uh, I just think like anybody else that has a, a very talented quarterback as the passer makes you more dangerous, you know, and, and they, they can, they obviously showed it last week, put up a lot of points, create a lot of takeaways defensively, which set up some of those scores, but at the same time, they faked a field goal, you know, on one of their touchdowns, and so I'm just uh, doing a lot of different ways of, of creating that momentum for their team and scoring lots of points, so I mean, that's a, a ton of ton of points in a Big Ten game, and, and so it's, uh, you know, adds to the challenge. Are you or your local Iowa company looking for a new roof or sheet metal work? TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal specializes in low-slope commercial and industrial roofing and sheet metal. Building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years, TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, located in Ely, Iowa, just south of Cedar Rapids, provides strong, expert customer service and the best quality fit for you, their customer. For a free estimate, give TNK a call at 319-848-4191 or toll free at 1-800-383-7663. You can also visit their brand new website at tkroofing.com. TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, your home for all your low slope roofing systems. Give them a call today. Again, 319-848-4191 or toll free at 1-800-383-7663.
So Seth Green, the guy, and he's going to throw it. He's going to throw it deep. And he's going to have it intercepted by Julius Brents. How about the true freshman quarterbacks for Iowa? Riley Moss had the pick earlier, and now Julius Prince, the freshman from Indianapolis, the interception there. Man, is that a good interception. Those true freshman cornerbacks. <laughs> yeah. Prince, the top-rated commit in this 2018 class for Kirk Ferentz. Shows you why on that play. Now it's too far, and it's intercepted. It's Riley Moss again, his second pick of the game. Welcome to college football, Riley Moss. What did I tell you the whole game? Don't worry about these freshman corners. This is just a, a pass that's thrown up for grabs, let's face it. Soon as old Moss gets his hands on the ball, so I've been dreaming about this. Give me some blocks, get me in the end zone. Time now for our weekly reporter's notebook feature this week with Scott Docterman. You can read Scott's articles online at theathletic.com slash team slash Iowa dash Hawkeyes. You can also follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Docterman. Scott reflects on retaining Floyd of Rosedale for the fourth consecutive year, and he previews the matchups in this Saturday's Big Ten game at Indiana, and we talk some Big Ten. We welcome Scott Docterman back for our Reporter's Notebook segment this week, previewing Iowa and Indiana, but before we do that, as usual, reflections on the Minnesota game, the win for the Hawkeyes. I heard one person say it's probably the closest blowout you'll ever watch. 48 points for Iowa, and 31 for the Gophers, and Floyd stays for the fourth year in a row in Iowa. City. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, 48 points for Iowa, I think, is uh, impressive uh, over a, a fairly decent defense. Iowa didn't run the ball that impressively. So, I mean, it was able to generate most of those yards uh, through the air. And I think that was, you know, really welcomed for Iowa, especially against a defense that, you know, has some good athletes. And, you know, I think the most impressive thing to me was that the wide receivers all had quality touches and they all flashed in their primary skill sets. I mean, we saw with Amir Smith-Marset being able to break away with a 60-yard catch. You saw with uh, Nick Easley, you know, catching a touchdown pass that, you know, where he got whacked by a linebacker but still held on the ball. And then you look at Brandon Smith, who made a highlight reel catch. It was kind of uh, incredible, to be honest with you, uh, reaching around the the defensive back and still being able to pull it in despite his arms being around him. So I I think that was uh, really, um, you know, impressive. Uh, Nate Stanley, four touchdown pass passes, um, you know, found Noah Fant, found TJ Hawkinson for scores, you know, only a couple of, you know, really two major miscues that would kill them in a lot of road games in the Big Ten really just made the score look a little bit closer than the game really was, you know, because Nate had that inexplicable interception towards the end of the first half. And then, you know, on another play, there was a strip sack that put the Gophers on the Iowa three. So, you take, you know, you hate, you can't really play that game where you take away this and take away that. But seriously, if you do, two big turnovers that uh, essentially gave them, gave Minnesota 14 points. I mean, it was a clear and decisive victory. So, I think it was a, you know, it was a good win for Iowa. It's always good for them to win rivalry games on the road. And I think they're showing, continuing to show that this team is going to be one of the better teams in the Big Ten by season's end. Yeah, after that performance in the passing game, they had it when they needed it. You would think it might make some of the upcoming defenses a little less reluctant maybe to stack the box so much and assume that Iowa can only run 
because they certainly, as you said, showed they could pass it in that game. And most of us watch the rushing stats as the game progresses. And, and you know, your favorite stat is when they go over 100 yards or more rushing, they win normally. And they had the 106 on Saturday. So they barely got there, but uh, they didn't really need it that much. Yeah, I mean, 40 carries for 106 yards does not look good uh, across the board, you know, but, uh, you know, you, you did reach that threshold, which mattered. And you needed to keep them honest to some extent. Iowa wants to be a balanced team. And, you know, it certainly was not balanced when it came to yardage. But, you know, in play calls, it, it was a little bit more. So I think it was a, you know, it was a quality performance. You know, uh, teams like, you know, Minnesota did, I'm sure going in the, in the future, uh, you're going to look at teams going, you know what, we still don't believe these receivers can beat us. Maybe they can still beat Iowa. Maybe Iowa will get a couple of big plays. The tight end certainly could beat us, but not the receivers. So I'm sure it's going to take a couple of performances in a row before you start backing these teams off, you know, probably all the way through the end of the month. So uh, Iowa's receivers have to come to play again this Saturday at Indiana. And if they can, if they can prove it and if they can make big plays through the air, you know, extend drives that I think, uh, you know, you're looking at the balance that Iowa seeks and an offense that's going to be one of the better ones in the league. Well, that's a perfect segue to turn the page and look ahead now. Iowa 4-1, and 1-1. One, one and one. The Hoosiers have played one more game than the Hawks. They haven't had their bye week yet. They're 4-2, and two, also 1-1 one and one in conference play. So, Iowa's offense, Indiana's defense, looking at some of the key Indiana players first, the matchups, they've got a really good safety in Jonathan Crawford. They do have some good players on their defense. And this is not your, you know, older brothers Indiana defense. I might say, you know, where in the, in the, you know, a few years ago when Kevin Wilson was the coach and some of the other players or some of the other coaches they had, where you know you, you go out there and you figure, well, you know, you're just going to be able to do what you want on offense and defensively, it's, uh, you know, you just kind of contain them. No, th- th- this is a better unit than that. I mean, you know, they allow, you know, about 370 yards per game, and when you consider, the, you know, who they played, you know, Ohio State last. Last week, you know, they played Michigan State. That this is a team that you know has is capable of uh, you know of holding down teams. They've got some good players in the back end. They're they're an aggressive unit. They cause you know some turnovers, you know, which leads to their plus four and turnover margins. So I think this is a, a unit that can cause some problems. I mean, you know, their their rush defense, uh, you know, is is modest at 157 per game, but they're still pretty you know stout. Now where they are most stout is in the red zone. I mean, you know, when opponents run in the red zone, you know, they've 25 carries for 40 yards and the longest is an 11 yard run. That's that tells you that that when it gets close, they are the kind of classic bend, but don't break defense, especially in the red zone. So you've got to be careful against this team. Now, what Iowa has done really well this year is, uh, you know, Nate Stanley in third and medium let's say third and you know between seven and nine yards the Hawkeyes are uh, you know 15 to 20 for 277 yards and generated 12 first downs on those 15 completions so seven of them have been 15 plus yards that tells you that they are comfortable in that environment and when you got a team like Indiana you've got to hit those passes so I think Iowa is capable um, of scoring Iowa is better along the line of scrimmage than Indiana's front wall is sometimes we build up the opponent 
Um, Indiana's a good team. I don't think they're better than Iowa State. I don't think they're better than Wisconsin. And I would say they're just slightly better than Minnesota. So I would I think Iowa's got a clear advantage in this situation. The three seasons since uh, Tom Allen became head coach, their defense has improved every year. He's a defensive coach, his background. But they have 13 takeaways already. That's the most in the Big Ten. They've got 11 sacks by nine different players. And as you pointed out, he likes to emphasize keeping the opposing quarterback uncomfortable and moving around as much as possible with their pressure. And that's that could also be a challenge for Iowa is trying to keep up with who's coming and from what position. But they did see that a little bit with Iowa State, with uh, with uh, Wisconsin, you know, both those teams. You know, even Northern Illinois was that way. So, uh, you know, with Iowa, Iowa's allowed only five sacks this year. And, uh, you know, that's down from, you know, even a couple of years ago, it was 30 sacks. So their pass protection is so much better now than what it was. So I think if, if Iowa can continue to maintain that and give, uh, give Nate Stanley some time uh there's they're gonna he's gonna pick apart this indiana secondary nate stanley's stats over the last three games are pretty i don't know if you want to call them spectacular but they're really really good i mean he's those three games he's uh, 60 passes completions 90 attempts 879 yards eight touchdowns and three ints those are pretty impressive numbers for an iowa quarterback traditionally in the ference era it is no doubt about it and especially how far he's come from the first two games where we were really starting to question you know in some ways is this the guy you know we we thought he would be good but you know he really was not playing well in the first two weeks you know and part of that you got to give credit to Iowa State they were tremendous against Iowa you know on defense but then part of it was Nate Stanley just I mean I think I documented in the Iowa State game he had nine bad passes you know short hops behind receivers that sort of thing he looked like he was aiming the ball so I, I think you know what he's done is he just seems to be more relaxed less pressured he's had some errors no doubt about it you know but you know like the interception against Wisconsin that came off a of, uh, you know a receiver's hands uh, you know the one last week was just so inexplicable you just can't even describe how bad of an interception that was at the end of the first half just throw it out of bounds and I think he would do that 10 out of 10 times now in the future but but that said you know he's he's certainly becoming the leader you need in that position and a playmaker and and uh, you know c- coupled with the growth at wide receiver this might actually be a dangerous unit and i don't think we've said that for you know i don't know seven or eight years Iowa always likes to talk about balance and offense well they have nine rushing touchdowns and nine passing touchdowns so far you did a, a nice feature article on iowa's i'll put quotes around the word other tight end tj hawkinson this week you know the storyline is that Noah fant gets the pub and most of the touchdowns hawkinson gets the stats and uh, finally got into the end zone not once but twice last week once as a uh, on a reception and once on that wild swinging gate fake field goal thing he has become really impressive and you know he was very good last year and we, as a freshman and so you kind of saw that okay he's got potential here and and it's but you kind of wonder out of your mind a little bit is it because no offense the other tight end and they can't you know look at him very closely no he's really good I mean he's he's a, an above average blocker which says a lot because he came from a small Iowa high school school and didn't do much blocking he was uh, they he was the best player on the team so they decided to just throw it up for him and uh, you know and that worked well I would say with about you know almost 4,000 yards receiving but uh, you know he he's got maybe the best one of the best set of hands that Iowa's had at that position group him and Henry Krieger Coble and you know I'd put in that category but he, you know he's, he's a great athlete you know he's he's 
in almost in the same category as a lot of the, the best ones, you know, a Dallas Clark or Tony Moyaki. So he's, he's a complete tight end. And, you know, and he's again, he's just a sophomore at this point, And he can do so much for you that, um, you know, he's a weapon and he's actually getting more snaps than Fant is, which is causing a few little issues with the Fant family. But but that said, um, it's you know, he, he's a weapon and, and he's somebody that every team has to be cognizant of because he's going to be that guy on third down and five or eight that, that Stanley looks for. And if the ball's anywhere near him, he's going to catch it. He doesn't drop passes. So I think this is going to, you know, he's, he's a, you know, that underrated type of player that no longer is going to be underrated. Are the wide receivers actually getting better or is it Stanley having more confidence now because he's looking for them, not just the tight ends, which I think was happening earlier in the season or is it sort of both of those things oh there's a little bit of both no doubt about it I mean you know you look at uh, at Stanley and you know and finding these guys and and they try to say look in practice Brandon Smith makes you know incredible plays at least once a practice so it's not unusual for him to make a, a catch like that and I saw him a little bit in high school uh, you know do those types of things and it's just a matter of can he do it and translate it over the field and I think what we saw last week was yes he can do that he's getting more open you know, Stanley's finding him, uh, but, you know, he is he's gaining separation, whether it's because of his physical skills or better route running. Um, Amir Smith-Marset, he does get open sometimes. He's had a few issues with drop passes, but it's, you know, he's getting better in his route running. You know, Nick Easley is pretty much the same player he always was, but when you have tight ends and receivers who have those skill sets, it's easy to find a guy, you know, and certainly in the UNI game when he had, what, 10 catches, you know, it's easy to find that. So I look at this as a... Uh, you know, yes, they all are getting better. The passing game is getting more, you know, you can see the the clarity for Stanley. He's much more deliberate, but he's also more relaxed in the pocket. I think they're getting more comfortable in, in the Fer- Ryan Ferentz style of passing, which is way better than what it was under uh, Greg Davis. You know, they're, they're averaging right around 8.2 yards per attempt for this season, which means he's in the, they're in the top three teams in the Ferentz era. Those are numbers and the, those are styles of play that suits Iowa best and I think this is a unit that's going to continue to get better barring any kind of injury so who has the edge in this matchup I have Iowa clearly Iowa's offense yeah I mean I would be surprised if Iowa scores less than 30 all right let's look at the defense now Iowa's defense versus the Hoosiers offense an Indiana offense that might not be quite as explosive as it was previously but it's still pretty potent but before we get dig into that a little bit let's Let's talk about, you asked a handful of questions of Kirk at his Tuesday press conference about Iowa's approach defensively, especially with the injuries uh, at linebacker and the, you know, the tradition of sticking with the base for three. But what we saw at Minnesota was sort of a hybrid between the base for three and the nickel with Hooker moving up to the, a linebacker position part of the time. Talk about that a little bit. It is interesting because, you know, Iowa's roots are, you know, the base 4-3, and we've seen them go down with it. Um, you know, I can remember some games, especially when Norm was the old coordinator. Yeah, he did a great job 98% of the time, but there were a few times where uh, they died with it too, where they decided they're going to keep their best 11 guys on the field, and if that means the other team goes three or four wide receivers, well, 
they just widen out their linebackers and cover them that way in space. And but in this case, uh, you know, the, whether it was injuries, inexperience, what have you, uh, they decided that their best unit was to go with a you know with a safety, Imani Hooker, playing more of the outside linebacker role and bringing in another safety, Geno Stone, as you know, kind of playing that strong safety role. So it. Um, it makes sense and it's always made sense. So it's, it's actually something that I probably would have advocated for years and years and years ago. But, you know, and what Kirk tried to say was, look, the principle isn't any different than what it was way back when it's, it's a matter of getting your best 11 on the field. And Amani Hooker clearly is one of the best 11. He's probably one of the best two or three on the field for Iowa. And, uh, but you know, getting a, a guy like Geno Stone to play safety is, is impressive because he is a very good player. And in most years he'd be a starter. Uh, so you know what the, what this does is it enables Iowa to match up a little bit differently with personnel. Back even ten years ago, there were three or four teams that that played spread or or did that style of play, but it wasn't the lion's share. The you know now you've got the majority of teams try to spread you out. With three wide receivers is the base offense. Very few teams run fullback. You know only Wisconsin, Iowa, and Michigan really do it exclusively. So I think uh, you know it's kind of a a recognition of the fact that teams are changing, the game has changed, and you need to get more speed out on the field. And so the best way to do that is put your best 11 out there. When you have Nick Neiman out there, that is like a big safety. So you're not you're not really losing anything there. But uh, when you have an inexperienced guy, you know, Barrington Wade, who hasn't played a lot, it might be in your benefit to have somebody like Imani Hooker. And when you look to the future, the teams that they're going to play, there aren't any downhill teams left. There's no Wisconsin, you know, left. There's no, They're not even playing Michigan. So you, you might as well get into that groove because Maryland likes to spread you out. Of course, Penn State and, and Purdue will. So um, I, I think it's fascinating that they decided to go this route, and I think it's it's the right way to go. Yeah, the linebacker situation for Indiana is still going to be a bit fouled up because you've got Imani Jones out the first half for that targeting call at Minnesota, no hockey day. You've got Barrington Wade, you just mentioned, getting his first start maybe, unless they start Hooker up there at that linebacker position again. And Christian Welch, who lost lost his starting position early in the season, backs up nearly every other linebacker spot and uh, will likely get the start at middle linebacker in the first half. He's also the third leading tackler on the team. It's not, you know, in going into this game, it's actually, you hate to say it, but it's actually to Iowa's benefit to have Christian Welch out there, even above Jack Hockaday and, and Imani Jones at that middle backer position because he's faster than they are. He covers more ground. Now, he's he's gotten beat quite a bit and, you know, in certain areas. And that's why he's not the uh, number one guy. But, you know, that said, you know, he is a a faster, more elusive linebacker, probably a better outside backer than inside backer. So I think having him and Jaiman Colbert in that middle and weak side position, I think is actually to Iowa's benefit. And then you throw Monty Hooker out there. And then on occasion, if you get into third and short or if you get to a goal line situation, then okay, bring in Barrington Wade. And, and, uh, you know, or, you know, if you feel like, hey, on first down, they're gouging us a little bit you can, you know, make some shifts, but I, I don't think this is a bad situation. And then, you know, the, the one saving grace for Iowa is, you know, the red shirt uh, rule where you can have a player play up into four games and still red shirt. And uh, somebody like Dylan Doyle, you know, Chris Doyle's kid, you know, might have to come in and play some snaps. And certainly I can I imagine he will on special teams and they're not going to get really hurt by that because, uh, you know, he he's only played one other game. And so he, you know, they could still send him to the back of the, the bench. 
You know, they had to do that in the first game with Tyler Linderbaum, uh, you know, a defensive tackle. He played a lot of snaps. They didn't. They don't want to forfeit his red shirt because this kid's good. But that said, you know, you uh, you want to hang on to him as long as you can. And uh, and so I think uh, you know Dylan Doyle might see some action. Seth Benson could see some action. And, but you won't be throwing their red shirts out either. The other thing that uh, kickoff at Minnesota, boy, talk about a question mark. Your two starting corners are out, Hankins and Ojemudia, and you have two true freshmen back there, Julius Brents and Riley Moss. And Moss got picked on early and often, but ultimately came through big time and both of those guys played well and Kirk seemed to indicate that Brents and Moss will start again in Indiana but that Hankins and Ojemudia should both be available. Yeah it looks like all four are going to be available and uh, you know I mean I think of the two Julius Brents really impressed me. His, he's got such long arms and great athletic ability and and, and the, the ability to to really disrupt the passing game. I mean, he's 6'2". He can, you know, just do so many different things that I think um, you need that guy on the field. You know, Iowa needs him to play. Um, Riley Moss did a lot of nice things, too. He got picked on early, as you mentioned. He fought through it. He competed, and he made some plays. You know, he had two interceptions, and you know, in his first game as a starter, as a true freshman. That's pretty impressive, too. I mean, these guys look like they're the future. That said, you want to get Matt Hankins on the field if he's healthy. He's he's the best corner they have, and uh, very physical, but also, you know, great ball skills. He's done some good work there. Now, I would argue that um, I think Brent's probably Moss might be a little bit more of an upgrade over Ojemudia, but but uh, you know if Matt Hankins is available, you got to play that guy because he's he's really good. Iowa continues overall to have really good defensive stats in the Big Ten and even nationally, they're 18 sacks. That's tied second in the Big Ten. Anthony Nelson now has moved ahead of AJ Epinesa with five, Epinesa with four, Hesse with two. This is going up now against a very good dual threat quarterback in in Peyton Ramsey, who spreads it all over the field to a slew of receivers they've got seven players who already have touchdown catches yeah this is a dangerous offense this is not quite this is this has the capabilities to be explosive it's not quite in the same vein that they've had in the past with guys like Cody Latimer you know in there but you know they've got some players that are you know challenging to defend I mean as you mentioned Peyton Ramsey is a dual threat guy he completes passes at a 67 percent clip last week he threw for 322 yards and three touchdowns against Ohio State. So, you know, this isn't just some easy unit to face. Plus two different receivers, you know, Jay Shun Harris and, and Nick Westbrook both had more than 100 yards receiving. So there are a lot of challenges associated with Indiana's uh, offense. And then you throw in, you know, true freshman running back Stevie Scott, who's built like a bull. I mean, he's he's built like a bigger, you know, he's, he's kind of like, I, I, my best guess is probably like LaShawn Daniels. Just a really big physical running back. And, and so so, you know, you've got you've got a lot of issues there to, to, to deal with. And, uh, you know, and Indiana can can score. And but, you know, then there you look at how they played against, you know, Ohio State. and You think, OK, this is this could be a challenge. But then, you know, they only did score 24 against Rutgers and 21 against Michigan State, who's obviously pretty good. Uh, so, you know, the, you know, and then 20 against Virginia. So I think they're capable of doing some good things. You have to be you know, if you're Iowa, you have to play sound. You have to tackle. You have to be in the right gaps, all the smart things but they also have a kind of an anecdote offense for Iowa's style of defense which is uh 
you know, bend but don't break. Well, they've got, you know, quick passing, good running back. You know, they've got the ability to, to okay, we'll just continue to take four and five yards per play and kind of put you on your heels a little bit. Yeah, Scott averages almost five yards a carry and has four touchdowns. And the other wide receiver you, that you didn't mention yet is their 6'4", Richard Jr., Donovan Hale. He has the most uh, touchdown receptions with four. So looking at this matchup now, who has the edge? Uh, I'll go slightly Indiana on this one. And, you know, again, I think Iowa's line of scrimmage is much superior to that of Indiana. I think Iowa can be very disruptive um, up front. That, but the problem is, you know, the back seven with their injuries, with the, you know, can Iowa slow down, disrupt, or, uh, you know, take the ball away. And, uh, you know, Indiana's proven that it's it's good enough and capable enough to, to really do that to any kind of defense. So I, I would give Indiana the edge here, but I don't think Iowa's going to get annihilated in this uh, matchup. Quick glance at special teams. I don't know what jumps out at you. I think it's interesting their punter, Hayden uh, Whitehead, is on the Guy Award watch list, and yet Colton Rastetter, which might be one of the surprises on the Iowa team this season so far, has better stats than Whitehead. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Watch lists are not what I really look at anymore. I mean, because so many players get put on them. You know, one one thing I will say is Iowa's special teams unit really rebounded last week after what, you know, was really tipped the, the scales towards Wisconsin two weeks there a couple weeks ago. And that was, you know, you look at uh, there were no major screw ups. You look at a touchdown by, you know, a, a fake field goal attempt. And then you look at Amir Smith-Marset with his kickoff returns. You know, he's as good of a weapon in that position as I've seen in a long time. I mean, you know, Desmond King was terrific, especially as a uh, as a punt returner. I think Smith Marset is perfect in that role as a kick returner because he's got such he's so fast and he's got long strides. So when he hits that hole, he's so quick that he can really go. And I think he's going to score a touchdown here pretty soon. It might even be this week. You know, he had a really good return early in the first half. And then when Minnesota cut its deficit to seven points, you know, he brought back one 49 yards that really kind of shifted the momentum again. And he was one tackle away from from being a, uh, you know, from being a long touchdown. So I, I think right now. Now, you know, they kind of erased those issues from earlier. And if they continue, if they don't have any screw ups, I, I like Iowa in this one. I think Iowa's um, capable of doing some good things. Now, that said, uh, Jay Sean Harris is a really good punt returner for Indiana. And uh, I, you know, Rastetter is going to have to use his uh, rugby skills to an effect to try to keep him from returning many punts. OK, before we get your prediction, let's take a quick glance at the Big Ten. Probably coming out of last week, the two things that stand out were Northwestern uh, win over Michigan State and Wisconsin continuing Nebraska's woes. This week, you've got some good games on tap. There are some good games. I mean, you know, start with Rutgers and Maryland. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Wisconsin and Michigan State, or Michigan, I'm sorry. And and this tell this will tell us a lot about both teams. It'll tell us a lot about the East and West. You know, I, I wasn't overly impressed with Wisconsin a couple of weeks ago. I thought they were a good team, not their great teams that they've had. I thought they were fortunate to leave Iowa City with a victory. You know, Michigan has gotten better since the week one loss to uh, Notre Dame. I think they are, uh, you know, I think physicality wise, I think they're both in a similar vein. I kind of like Michigan in this one. And then, uh, you know, earlier in the day, you have, uh, you know, Michigan State at Penn State. That one is very much intriguing. Last year, Michigan State wins at the end after about a seven hour day because of all the delays. But I think Penn State's the better team. I think they've got more explosiveness on offense, but I'm anxious to see how Michigan State, if it continues to sh- 
shut down the run the way it has in, in recent weeks. And then, uh, you know, through the rest of the, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see the Nebraska-Northwestern game because Nebraska's offense, I covered them a few weeks ago. They have a good offense for sure, and but their defense is putrid. I mean, it's not good at all. And, and uh, you know, now Northwestern is starting to come back alive. You know, they beat Michigan State again. They always do, it seems. The, you know, Michigan State and Iowa could join hands and say we both hate Northwestern because of the way they played against them. But, but you know, I think – I want to say Nebraska's allowed, I don't know, eight straight Big Ten opponents, something like that, to 40-plus points. Um, so I, I can think that might happen again. And uh, and so that one, though, will set the tone a little bit for Northwestern for me because if Northwestern wins that game at home, it kind of says, you know, you can't just overlook the, the Wildcats again. You know, everybody tends to do that. They lose a couple of games they shouldn't, and then all of a sudden they fade away, and then they bite teams well you know i think this could be one of those games where it's uh it's going to be a challenge for for uh northwestern and nebraska i don't think nebraska is that bad I, but i don't think they're good either back to the game we're covering iowa at indiana this is a an important game for the hawkeyes because they have a chance still to you know i think they'll be probably favored in in every game for the rest of the season other than at penn state so what's your sense of this one your prediction yeah i, I mean you know when it comes to pre- predicting things I, I there are things that I need I need continuously need to learn and, and reiterate and one is never underestimate Northwestern or Iowa State <laughs> two senior day means nothing and then three when when a team is superior along the line of scrimmage you've got to go with it every single time no questions asked if it's superior now if it's equal that's different but in this case Iowa is clearly the better team along the line of scrimmage Iowa has an offense equal to or better than Indiana. The the question that always kind of comes back to you is, you know, okay, but Iowa's back seven. It's so depleted. There's injuries at linebacker and stuff. But you got to ignore that sometimes. You know, there were a lot of issues with Iowa State going into that game that, you know, Iowa's linebacking court did not look very good. You know, Monty Jones was replaced. David Montgomery, I mean, I, I was more impressed with Iowa State than I am with Indiana, frankly. But in this case, Iowa line of scrimmage play is better. I have to remind myself of that of all the good things indiana does and i think they're a good team i think they're a bowl caliber team team capable of beating a team like iowa that said iowa is better along the line of scrimmage so when when that's in doubt always go with that team so i'm going with iowa 34 27 i think it can be tough but i also think iowa's defensive line pulls out some sacks in the fourth quarter and uh and, and it ultimately wins the game a man like you i'd follow into combat blindfolded and i wouldn't be the first am i right buddy let's take it a little slower I don't want to wake up pregnant. You got to be impressed with this run defense of the Gophers. So much better than they were two weeks ago. Did he get in there? Yes. This time, however, Iowa pushes through with a rushing touchdown. Makai Sargent with his fourth of the season, first of the day. And Sargent may have just put one, this one in the left-hand column for the Iowa Hawkeyes as they try to make it a four-game winning streak in this series. Six touchdowns for Iowa in this game by five different players. The only man with two is Hawkinson. Kirk Ferentz and B.J. Fleck shake hands as Iowa makes it four straight wins in this series. 48-31 to 31 the victory. And Nate Stanley 314 yards, four touchdowns as Iowa did it mainly through the air. Cold pork sliders tonight in Iowa City. And maybe some crisp bacon tomorrow morning as Floyd stays put on the side of the Hawkeyes. First Floyd of Rosedale back in 1935. What a tradition.
Our thanks again to BTN for the Iowa-Minnesota game highlights, and thanks as always to Scott Docterman. We hope you've enjoyed this program. All Hawkeyes Mike podcasts are available and can be subscribed to on iTunes, Overcast, and other podcasting apps. HawkeyesMike.com, podcasting original programming on Iowa athletics for 12 seasons. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.